The Perfect Ten. With Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. Welcome to another edition of The Perfect Ten. Episodes have been fairly scarce through lockdown in 2021. But thanks to Zoom, we're privileged to catch Nicola McDermott. Nicola competed late on a Saturday night in Tokyo and it was just incredible to watch. She had a miss at 1m96, then she was flawless, clearing 2m2 to set a new Australian record and she narrowly missed 204, finishing second to Russian athlete Maria Lasetskina with Ukrainian Yaroslava Mahuchik in third place. Also in fifth place, another Aussie, Eleanor Patterson. So it was an unbelievable night for the Australians in Tokyo. Since then, Nicola competed in the Diamond League series, including the final in Zurich, where she almost cleared 205, and that's a real glimpse into what's possible in the future with the world record 209 in the women's high jump. Just before we go live to Nick, thank you as always to Robson Civil Projects, our proud naming rights partner. And at the end of the show, we'll tell you about their brand new office in Dubbo, in the west of New South Wales. It's a super exciting opportunity for the entire team and encompasses 12 local government areas. So Robson Civil Projects spreading their wings around New South Wales. Let's relive some of the Diamond League final in Zurich. Nicola is on fire in this competition, eventually finishing third, but narrowly missing 205 in one of the best women's competitions we've ever seen. She's been in superb form tonight. Two metres one, Nicola McDermott, Olympic silver medalist. There you go. Somebody's going to go very, have to go very high tonight to beat this young lady. The Australian in top form. It's just a lovely rhythm, Tim. You know, she comes in every time as the same, and then at the moment, everything looks so straightforward, so easy. So there we go, Nicola McDermott in action in the Diamond League final in Zurich. Right now, let's go live to a hotel room in Brisbane. Nicola, great to see you via Zoom. Has it sunk in that you're the most successful Australian track and field athlete in Tokyo? All of this season, I don't think it's really going to sink in until I'm back on the Central Coast. I think that's when it's going to hit. Is that night still vivid? It was Super Saturday in Tokyo, and there were a couple of Central Coast kayakers in action. Lockie Tame and also Riley Fitzsimmons in the K4. And then your event at 8.30 that night was just unbelievable. I, I've I've shared the story, I think, even more than what I've reflected in my own time. But um, that that night was just magic. Um, there was there was lots uh, of events going on. There was lots of finals. So there was a big buzz in the village, and people were already celebrating the end of their yeah, like the the, the end of their their Olympic success and. Yeah, so I, I just remember being there and I knew I was positioned on the, like the, I think the best day of the Olympics is right at the end when um, the whole team is ready just to support you. And yeah, I, I was excited. On the Olympic broadcast feed, we could see you warming up and you came over to your coach, Matt Horsnell, and said, I'm starting at 1 meter 89. Now, when I saw that, I thought Nicola is feeling extremely confident tonight. Is that how you felt? Yeah, so. Matt and I, we we saw even in the qualifying that I was in very good shape and it was now getting to the tactics because the other girls there had 
performed on the international stage. They, I was surrounded by medalists for European championships, for uh, world indoor championships, for Olympic Games previously. So I knew my greatest tactic, I think, is the confidence that I take into the, to the field that when I jump, from the very start, it's going to be a good quality jump. I don't need to have many attempts to get into the shape. And um, I'd never jumped at 189 as a starting height before, but we thought if you want to jump higher than you ever have, you probably have to start higher than you ever have. So we took that that gamble and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that I stuck to that because already when I when I was getting over that um, – that first height it was it was already an achievement and it wasn't going to be easy that's my that was my mindset this is not an easy competition today like this is going to require absolutely everything so you have to take every decision with that in mind maria lasitskina one of the hot favorites almost went out at one meter 96 were you watching when she had her third and final attempt yeah no i um it was actually quite a long competition for us we were out there for hours and I don't really get caught up with uh, when people are making it and when people aren't making it. I wasn't, I wasn't concerned when she was attempting third attempt because I knew she is a fighter and she has done, she's done it many times before where she's just about out at a lower height and then jumps almost a world record. So um, I wasn't going to try and, and predict. I was just conserving my energy and just, just keeping focused on what I needed to do. Hey, Nick, do you realise how much you captured everyone's imagination back home by going to your journal for some self-analysis after every jump? It wasn't until I, to be honest, I burst these girls every every few days when I'm on the on the circuit. So, and I don't usually draw much media attention. So for the Olympics, in a way, since I wasn't on social media, it wasn't until after that I realised just how big the Olympics is. <laughs> um, the notebooks, oh, everyone, what's in that notebook? What, what is she writing down? And notebook companies coming, like throwing deals at me. You know, we want to have you use our notebook. And um, it, it was just, it was so much fun uh, just to see the yeah the the hype about about it and all the athletes on the circuit they tell me oh you're the one with the notes <laughs> uh, everyone everyone knows me as like that girl that writes notes um which is so funny because that's only one minor part of my big um my big preparation but I'm excited that it inspired people for sure tell me you've signed a multi-million dollar deal with a notebook company look I'm still waiting for that Steve but um (laughs) hopefully you know in the future who knows you know if I write a book one day we'll want to have those um journals um yeah supported (laughs) when you missed at one meter 96 you actually looked shocked uh tell us how you were feeling yeah that I was in such good shape that as soon as I missed that first 196, it yeah, it did shock me for a moment. I, I recognized in that that I was taking it easy. I was like, you were in such good shape, you know, just put this amount of effort. And I'm very I'm actually very thankful for that low height miss because the intensity that I that I took into the, the rest of the competition really was drawn at, at that height. And that was the same height that Maria got the third attempt. And I don't think many of us, Eleanor got a first attempt, um, I'm pretty sure. But 
the rest of us, uh, it's the height that you actually have to start changing your technique. You know, you need to make sure you're getting used to staying in the air a little bit longer before you go over the bar. And uh, I think I was just taking it a bit easy. So uh, it was almost just like a little, a little shock to go, hey, um, get back into it and um, keep going. Describe the feeling when you realised you were guaranteed a medal. And did you allow yourself to celebrate in any way, shape or form? In my head, I was going for the gold medal. So I, I really, I think if I was, if I let that in, I think I would have gotten the bronze or, you know, I wouldn't have gotten 202. I was very, um, in that moment, it was gold or nothing. And I'm very thankful for that mindset because then to get the silver afterwards is just the best. But um, clearing two, two metres first attempt, I went back to my journal and went, it's not over. Like, I know you're going to have to jump around 204 to win because that's just the calibre of athletes. So um, I, was, I was just, I was so focused and in the zone. It didn't really matter to me who was left over. All I, all I thought was you don't stop until you've, you've jumped absolutely higher than what you could ever imagine type of thing. What about Yaroslava Mahuchik, another one of the red-hot favourites? Could you tell that she was really nervous in Tokyo? Yeah, that's the hard thing is in the competition itself, we're all, um, we're all in competition mode. And then outside of the competition, we weren't able to see each other because of the very strict uh, rules in the village. So I hadn't really encountered um, Yaroslava until the, the competition days and she just seemed to be excited to be there as a 19-year-old. And she even said that before the Olympics. She said, you know, it was my dream to go to the Olympics. So I'm just so thankful to be there. Even though she could quite easily win, she had, uh, I think she had an open mind. And people say that they were surprised she didn't get the gold, but to, she skipped a 202 and then she went to 204, which is a lifetime best to get a lifetime best in an Olympic final when you've got two girls that are also jumping very high. So for her, I think it was still an excellent performance. And for an, a teenager, she has just done so well for her country. Did the event unfold exactly how you imagined? Yeah, I um, well, I said I want to jump over two metres and be on the podium. And I, I did that. Um, of course, I think... The, it was a blessing in my head to think that I was a gold medal prospect and even when other people didn't see it, I, I was believing that since last year. So to go into that mindset, in, in my head, I, I was going to be on the top of the podium and I'm very thankful that I put my goals that high because it the way that I was training and the way that I was preparing was like a gold medal winner. So to get the silver, I think, is an enormous achievement, but it, it didn't surprise me at all. I know yourself and your coach, Matt, you love the science of high jump. Are you surprised how quickly you've made the transition from 1 metre 91, which was your PB in 2018, to suddenly jumping two metres on a regular basis? Yeah, yeah I am. I am. I'm surprised. I, I, I cleared two metres five times this year, and... That consistency is, yeah, I, I think it's, it's shocked, shocked a lot of people, even including myself, because when I did 191 on the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games, that was a personal best. And that was only, what, 2018, we're talking three years ago. 
And so I'd only really gotten into the 190s quite quite late, I would say, compared to most most people are teenagers when they get to 190. And then you get to two metres, you get to two metres around in your mid-20s and then um, you take a few years and then you can get up to two metres plus consistently. But this turnaround has been very, very fast for me to, to really make those, those changes and, and get that new barrier. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed and at the same time still hungry for a bit more. <laughs> I've got to ask you about Zurich, the final of the Diamond League, and in terms of performance level, it was even better than Tokyo. Yeah, that, it was the best female high jump competition in Diamond League history with three women over 201. And I'm just like, wow, I got to be a part of that. But the 201 was quite an easy jump because it's, it seems now that with my, the body shape that I have, I'm quite, I, we've managed Matt and myself to get my technique quite consistent. And then I just know how to compete at the highest levels. And I'm very in tune with, with, with what I need to do in order to get over two metres. But the 203 was, was missed narrowly. And again, I was going for the Diamonds League trophy, which is gold or nothing. And at the same time, that, that has nothing to do with my satisfaction and, or the contentment in the event, but that's the type of competitive drive I know I need. So I skipped 203 and I went to the 205. And the third attempt, well, the second attempt at 205, because I skipped, um, my last attempt was, I it just rattled and then it fell off. And I, I was just... I knew after the 201 jump was huge, it was 205 clearance. It's one thing to have it in your system, but it's another thing to actually execute it really well. And I knew if I did the 205 at that jump, I could potentially win the Diamonds League. And so I was very, very motivated. And now that I know that that's inside of me and that's possible, it's just, it's sort of just broken that next stage and just gone. 205 is there and if 205 is there now what happens in a few years time when 209 the world record is is just edging very close to that the miss at 205 we've got to talk more about that because it was an incredible jump it must have been the wind that knocked the bar off and it must have been a light bulb moment as well just what's possible for yourself and also for all three of you, Maria and Yaroslava, in years to come. Yeah, because we're all young. Like, even Maria, like, when we're, we're still in our 20s or, you know, Yaroslava, not even 20 years old yet. And a high jumper has a life expectancy of, um, well, a career is into the mid-30s. So there's an extra 10 years worth of, of potentially going after that world record. And, yeah, it's... It's, I think we shocked, shocked ourselves, really. Even Maria, after coming out of injury and then jumping 205 at the Diamond League final, um, I, I'm under the personal belief that when one of us, when a few of us are jumping well, the whole competition raises. And I think even maybe we're providing the push that Maria has needed the last few years. She's attempted the world record before. But when you have a young person coming up after you and, you know, trying to take away some of the victories that you've been able to have easily, you train harder, you, you think smarter, you, um, you try and just get those little, like those extra refinements. And um, it's exciting. Yeah, it's an exciting time for not only spectators, but to be a high jumper. You've told me you always stay around and watch, even when you're eliminated from the competition. Do you feel like your joy, your love 
and your faith have united a bunch of competitors who'd normally be fierce rivals on and off the field. Yeah, like I with the higher jumpers, I remember my first Diamond League in 2019 and um, Yaroslava, that was her first Diamond League win. And I noticed that all the higher jumpers, what you do after you, after you finish is you just leave. And I, I was the only one there that was on the field still to cheer her on in 2019. And I said to someone, um, I said, um, I just want to change the culture that maybe by the time I win a Diamond League, nobody's leading the competition and they're still cheering because that's important. Like, this is actually, the sportsmanship is more important than how high you jump on the day. Like you stay and you, you make sure you're, you're there for your fellow athletes. And it, it came to Paris Diamond League and, I, and that was my first one that I won with all the girls there and no one left. Everyone stayed and they cheered me. And I just thought something that I had had an ambition for and maybe 10 years time had come two years later and um, I, I'm not too sure if I'm exactly the glue, but that there's a lot of great athletes and maybe you have to lay, lay yourself down and go, I don't mind being the one that's always talking, you know, just to try and keep us together. But they're a great group of girls. And that, that's also my joy is to be able to, to love them. Like you, you're, called, you're called not only just to inspire the people around you, then beat the people next to you. You're called to love the people that are right next to you. And I've been I've been honored to do that and again there's it's competition rivalry but off the field we're all really really good friends and it's not just me it's it's all the high jumpers together and it's a very great community to be a part of Apart from your own event who else did you follow in Tokyo and did you get the chance to meet some superstars of world sport Yeah so I um unfortunately I was in my room most of the time and then when I was out of my room, I was in the dining hall and whoever I saw, I saw. But um, I'm very, very good friends with a lot of the track and field athletes. So uh, to see them perform well, or I was sharing an apartment as well with Kelsey when she got the bronze medal. So the, she got the bronze medal and then I went out and I, I got the silver medal the next day. So that was really fun. Even surfing, Sally Fitzgibbon, uh, we have mutual friends in our family. So growing up watching her on the circuit, um, I couldn't physically be there for the event, but just to know that we're on the same team was very exciting. Someone I've always looked up to. And um, yeah, outside of the Olympics, it was the first time I met Blanka Vlasic this year. And she's been my my sporting hero for high jump since I was eight years old. So um, there was a lot of people that I met on and off the circuit and a lot of Olympic champions and things. Uh, that have just really inspired me just to keep going because I know that when I meet someone that I look up to, it really is a booster and that I'm just considering maybe that's what I am to a few few of the people in the future. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. How cool is that, meeting Blanca? And is it true your family had a satellite dish so you could watch her compete live? (laughs) Uh, I, I I don't even know, but I know that Tascot got um, changed to McDermott um, <laughs> with, with with after the Olympics. That's for sure. Any idea who put the McDermott name up at Tascot Station? I don't know, but um, I know <laughs> Tascot has a Facebook page, and then they were all getting getting excited because there was a local in Japan. <laughs> and I believe your followers on social media have gone through the roof. In fact, uh, they've gone up tenfold. 
Is that right? Yeah. So my, my best friend now was taking over my social media. And then after I jumped in the Olympics, she said, just take it back. It's too much. And yeah, uh, within a week, it, it increased over 40,000 and then it went to 50,000. And now it's at 55,000. And it's just, yeah, I, it, it was, it's just crazy just to think. Um, I think last year was around 5,000. So it's, it's encouraging because I looked at the followers and the majority of them are people in their 20s to 30s in Sydney, my age. And I, I, I think that's even probably more heartwarming is that the people that are following me are actually people that I might even run into or went to university with or people I can really reach with my story. You're studying biochemistry. When do you actually finish? And when do you become a rocket scientist? Rocket, not no rocket science, but one exam away. So that's what I'm studying for at the moment, and um, I'm excited, you know, just for the close of a chapter, because now after this Olympics, I think there's a, a good potential that I could just focus on being a high jumper for a few years. I know you're off to the Whit Sundays once you come out of quarantine. How is 2022 shaping up? Commonwealth Games, World Championships, maybe World Indoor Championships. Diamond League, it's uh, it's a very, very big year. So the rest of this year looks like training to try and make sure I can not only maintain the form I've had, but get a new personal best for next year. Have you got a number in mind? Um, anything higher than 202 would, would be good, but um, I, I haven't actually sat down and thought about it. The Commonwealth Games record for the event is 196. And the but the highest jump from a woman in the Commonwealth is two oh six. So um, yeah, I've got I've got new goals for that. <laughs> hey Nikki, you're looking over your shoulder at all. Are there some athletes coming through that could also do something special in years to come? Yeah, I, there's pretty much every woman in that Olympic final is phenomenal because it was the hardest Olympics to get a final to get into the final you needed one meter 95 and that hasn't happened in history so um yeah pretty much all of those ones that you look at by 2024 paris i think maybe two meters will be an average jump and do you feel like your life has changed significantly like i I know how humble and grounded you are but do you feel like something is different now you're an olympic medalist um For me personally, I mean, externally now, for sure, that people people actually recognise me when I'm out in public and things. But personally, I have the medal, but nothing has really changed. And um, the people that are closest to me treat me exactly the same, which is is what I want. So um, it doesn't define me. And I think that actually helps me keep training because... Silver's nice, but we want gold. Hey, Nick, you're um, you're part of a foundation on the Central Coast, the Danica Clark Foundation. Three athletes competed in Tokyo. Yourself winning silver, Matt Dawson in the hockey, also with a silver, and Riley Fitzsimmons at his second Olympic Games, finishing top six. Just incredible. Three over the top six is pretty good. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm so thankful for the foundation. Really, as a as a young kid, because for 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 me to hear as a young kid that you'd be a silver medalist one day at the Olympics, I'd, I'd want to 
hope that you're telling the truth, but I'd sort of go, yeah, I don't really know. So to, to make it happen and they, they invested into me when I was that teenage kid to keep on training. I just have so much gratitude now as, as an uh, Olympic medalist because, yeah, I, those years were very formative into the success I have now even in my mindset and my habits and my commitments. So, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for the help. So, Nicola McDermott, one of my favourite athletes. I've had a lot to do with Nicola since she was a teenager and Tokyo was one of my all-time highlights in world sport. And watch Nicola between now and Paris. Of course, next year there's the World Championships, Commonwealth Games in Birmingham and the way she's tracking... That world record of 2.09 could be in her sights, along with Maria Lasetskina and Yaroslava Mahuchik, and hopefully Eleanor Patterson from Australia as well. Great to catch up with Nick, and as always, we do it thanks to Robson Civil Projects, our proud naming rights partner. Just want to mention they've got the new office in Dubbo now, which covers 12 local government areas, so fantastic news for Robsons. And also one of their staff members, Robbie Hillman. He started 40 years ago. Can you believe that? Four decades with the business, first as an operator, and he's worked his way up to site manager, a role that he's had for the last couple of years. Congratulations. We're giving you a standing O, Robbie, from the Perfect 10 Studios. Robson Civil Projects, not only doing incredible road, rail and infrastructure, but also really supporting their staff. And that's a badge of honour. Someone with the business for four decades. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Perfect 10. We're back next with motorsport champion, Lightning Luke King. The Perfect 10.